A lifeguard shortage is affecting public pools across the country. The problem of child sex abuse in the Boy Scouts of America. This extremely tight-knit community shattered by gun violence. I don't want another young gymnast, Olympic athlete, or any individual to experience the horror that I and hundreds of others have endured. Closing pools nationwide is causing some unexpected people to step up. Welcome, everybody, to Staffing Safety Society, Episode 9. I'm Kevin Trapani. And I'm Paige Bagwell. Paige, you will not be surprised to hear that we are taking on another tough topic today. This is our weekly. We are. We are. And we've been talking about this one a lot. We've put a lot of thought in this conversation. So, yes, let's, let's do this. Well, what we're going to talk about today is that we have got to stop normalizing anti Semitism. And we're going to get into this one in some depth, and we are out of our own depth on this. Mm. So we are learning along with everybody else. But I mm. want to just start with a really quick qualification uh, for our repeat and returning listeners. Thank you very much for our new listeners. We deal with tough issues every week, but it's really important for you to understand um, on this topic. Stick with us. This topic is for everybody, not just for Jews. This is a topic that affects everyone and a a discussion that we can all have impact on. And so, Paige, I know you've been digging in and learning a good bit uh, from the work of the Anti-Defamation League, the ADL, on Mm -hmm. this. Share some of that with us. Well, and I think it's important, you know, just what you called out is we're all learning. Kevin, even you and I are saying that as we head into this conversation is we're not here to teach or preach or to do anything about that. We're we're here to learn and start a conversation because what we are seeing in our headlines is concerning and we want to talk about it. Um, and so the Anti-Defamation League has done some really good work to really introduce language specifically. We've talked about this on a couple of other podcasts of how important that is and getting that language right. right. They define anti-Semitism as hostility to, prejudice towards, or discrimination against Jews. Anti-Semitism is considered to be a form of racism, which I think is really important to call out, really important to call out. They also define philo-Semitism, which is a notable interest in, respect for, and appreciation of the Jewish people, their history, the influence of Judaism, particularly on the part of a non-Jew, which I think you and I are learning a lot about, right? Um, and what that means to be in support of and respect of a group. And that, like, I don't think that gets talked about enough either. No, I, you know, as we were working our way through this, I, I didn't know the term philo-Semitism, mm-hmm. but we mm-hmm. want to be, you and I and our listeners want to be philo-Semites. Right. right? Respecting the centuries-old tradition of the Jewish faith. Right, right. Um, so the Anti-Defamation League, I, I want to make sure since we're kind of using them as some of our learning and our narrative. I want to make sure we talk about their mission so people can look that up to stop the defamation of the Jewish people and to secure justice and fair treatment to all. And I slow down when I read that part, right? Like that's what we're all, that's not just the anti-defamation league. That's what we all should be striving for. It's certainly what we talk about a lot of Redwoods. And I just think it's really important to acknowledge their mission and what their purpose is. Um, And I think you've, you know, we've even in the few short minutes, we've already started this. I think we've seen a couple of like Washington Post articles. I think the ADL also talks about it. The word Jew is hard for people to say Um, and that we need to learn that that's not a slur 
Um, we don't have to avoid saying it, that we have Jews that say, please say that, like, that's who I am. I'm not a Jewish person. Right. I am a Jew. And that's, that's what I call myself. And so let's get, and I think even us explaining it is like, is that like, are we sure? Are you sure you want to, let's, let's listen to those that are giving us the narrative and the language that um, we should be using. Right. And, and that's just a, uh, what we've said many, many times, just get in their reality. Let's do them. The, let's show them the respect that we're listening to what they want to be called. Right. right? So you'll hear people say, I'm a Jew. And, and that that's, we're just going to follow that. And so this language is really important. Y'all, my guess is we're 50, 50, that you and I will get some of this wrong, even in this podcast. Guaranteed. Yes. But, but we're working on it. And so before we dive in, as is always our practice, let's talk about today's headline. Today's headline. You've got one? I do. I have one. And uh, as I get older and older, this particular headline, which we have all seen many times before, speaks to me, but it speaks to me in the context of this conversation. The headline is Tom Brady leads miracle comeback and win over saints. <laughs> so I will confess, uh, I, and I apologize, Tom, I gave up. I, mm-hmm. I couldn't watch anymore. Uh, but last night, in the last three minutes against the Saints in a crucial game, Tom Brady, at 45 years old, led two touchdown drives, 91 yards, 63 yards, two separate touchdown drives, through two touchdown passes to two rookie players, each of them less than half of his age, to win the game 17-16 against the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. And, and, you know, you might say, well, so what? Tom does this all the time. The man is 45 years old and his team is six and six. They've looked awful this year. They've looked awful for more than two years against the Saints. They've been shut out in three of the last four games, I think, against the Saints. And with nothing going on, with three minutes left in the game, here comes Tom Brady. And and the reason I bring it up, and I bring it up because we all just, if you watch college basketball in the last week, you heard um, you heard Dick Vitale and his discussion of his overcoming cancer, but you heard Jimmy Valvano over and over, mm-hmm. and over and over and over and over again saying, never give up, never, ever give up, don't ever give up. And so Tom Brady never gave up. And so lots of us face moments where we think we just can't overcome whatever this hardship is. And we're going to talk about a hardship right now that the Jewish people in our country and all of us face with the normalization of anti-Semitism. We just can't ever give up. And that's why I kind of thought this headline spoke to me today. I do. And I think it's a great tie-in. First, because we are produced in North Carolina. So nice shout out to NC State there with Jimmy V. (laughs) I'm sure you've got a few listeners excited about that. But that, you know, even that simple speech from Jimmy V, like just has changed how people, you know, how you tell the narrative around cancer, right? Um, and not giving up on it. But even in our topic today, having the conversation, not giving up on the conversation can really change the landscape of how we talk about this and how we invite people in. And I think that's just, that's really important for us to remember is that we're just having a conversation and not having it is giving up. That's right. That's right. So you got to, right, Tom Brady didn't decide not to go on the field because things didn't look good. Right. And he's had at least six games this year where he went on the field with three minutes left and he wasn't able to get this right. done. You just keep trying. You don't give up. And that's where we are in this conversation. I want to set the table page for um, how often this is happening 
because sometimes we react to headline moments like Tom Brady, um, but we don't understand the underlying data. And I think what you and I try to bring to these conversations is data. And so there were in 2021, the last year for full year for which we have data to about 2,700 anti-Semitic incidents in the United States, which is up more than a third from 2020, the year before. And so you might say, well, 2020, we were all at home and that kind of stuff. But what's important is it's the highest number of anti-Semitic incidents in a given year since uh, the ADL began capturing this data, which was back in 1979. So it has really reached a fever pitch for sure. And what's really important to me, you know, I always look at kind of proportionate, right? So, So what proportion of the U.S. population is Jewish, well, it's about two and a half percent. Yet, um, if you look at all the religiously motivated hate crimes, any kind of religion, Christian, Muslim, Jew, etc., 55% of all the religiously motivated hate crimes were anti-Semitic, so were against Jews who represent only two and a half percent of our population. It's crazy numbers. It, it, it is. It's totally inappropriate, but also totally out of proportion. And these things are happening daily, um, and they're 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 re- they're devastating. And so, when we think of this kind of environment, it's really important for us to think back on why do we call this normalizing, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you're hearing this language and these incidents over and over and over again, it feels normal. And there was an article in the Smithsonian recently that was really meaningful to me. And one of the things it said is one of the messages of uh, of, of the, the um, exhibit that they were reviewing is that the Holocaust did not arise out of nothing. It spawned out of a long and vicious history of European hatred of the Jews, right? right. The mobilization of hatred of the Jews. And so it can be in your national discourse and become normal for ordinary people without us even knowing it, which is why we're speaking into this today. So that's kind of the data about how it's happening day after day after day. I know you've got a perspective on why we're talking about it now, why it's so hard. Right. And I think to your point is we don't even realize how much we hear things like things become so normal that you're like, oh, well, that, that doesn't happen as often as you're saying it is. But then you start to look at even what I'll give a couple of examples of what's happened in the last four weeks mm-hmm. and how quickly like, oh gosh, that has snowballed into when you start to piece everything together and connect the dots, there is a really clear thread. Right. Um, for example, Twitter has changed hands recently. And so since that time, there has been some groups that are calling out Elon Musk to say, look, there's a lot of hatred, a lot of anti-Semitism going on actually on the platform. I think there's a hashtag like holla hoax, like the Holocaust hoax, like just how you just described. Yeah. I mean, years and years and years of hatred going on. That, that That's not a hoax. Like that's an actual real incident and situation, horrific things mm-hmm. happen during that time. And the fact that people are um, putting that hashtag as well as hashtag kill the Jews. Like I can't even imagine putting hashtag kill and then fill in the blank. Anybody. Mm-hmm. But the fact that that's going around a very, very popular platform that people are reading and seeing. And so it's just really scary. And so it's, there have been campaigns, especially, you know, specifically for Twitter about kind of bringing down um, those tweets identified by ADL that we talked about earlier, the flurry of racist, transphobic, rule-breaking content that coursed through Twitter uh, for many days and for many weeks. Um, and th- so they're asking Elon Musk to consider, what, like, what are you doing about that? 
which is a rightful question. It'd be a rightful question for any leader of any company to say, hey, something's not right in the culture. If you've got people saying, hashtag, kill the Jews. So let's talk about it. Yeah. And it's really interesting, Paige, because what Elon Musk said about buying Twitter in the first place was he said he wanted there to be free speech. And so mm-hmm. he he allowed a bunch of these sites to have platform on Twitter under the guise of let's have free speech. And here's what happened. Here are the people that spoke out immediately. I'm, you know, pretty unbelievable that that happened in that way. But obviously, um, as soon as you open the pipeline, you get a sense of what people are thinking. And there are lots of people who are thinking, believe it or not, hashtag kill the Jews. Are you kidding? But it's out there. I know. I know. One specific example is um, Ye, I guess, formerly known as Kanye West. Mm -hmm. Um, He actually tweeted just this past past month that it said death con three on Jewish people, which I mean, is pretty much equal to kill the Jews. I would say in my world, death con three that tells that says a lot. I think he has been banned from the platform, at least the last time I saw, but still there was an allowance of people to go on there and say these things that are just horrific and just unexcusable. Mm -hmm. Um, He's promoted uh, just the, Jewish power and control, specifically around the entertainment industry that I think he feels like he has some expertise around mm-hmm. um, politics and business, specifically claims that the Jews control media and government, mm-hmm. um, that they exploit Black artists, particularly for financial gain, mm-hmm. they promote, promote harmful and immoral behaviors. Remember the um, source here, by the way. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I said, yay formerly known as Kanye West, mm-hmm. questioning Jewish identity. Um, and so like, and so here's what I want to call out to, we'll give a couple of examples, but this is, I don't, I can't pretend to understand why he would say these things or even think these things, but it's not about Kanye. It's about us allowing people to have a platform mm-hmm. to say things that they're, that they have no business saying they're not educated around. They're making assumptions and making um, accusations that have no re- relevance, no data to back it. Right. And so that's, that's heartbreaking in a country where we're trying to rebuild after we've had some, de- you know, some <laughs> divisive years. And this is sad to see that this is allowed and that, that, and that people read it and take it to heart, right? Well, that's, people read it and take that's it to heart. Be- you're so right to say it's not about Kanye. Who cares about Kanye? Say what right. you want. The problem <clears throat> is that people are listening. The only reason he has the platform he has, whether it's Alex Jones and Infowars or whoever he's been on more recently, or sitting at the table of the ex-president of the United States, people are listening. People are listening, right? And you know what I say too is, you know, I think we when we think of the word people, we go to adults, but kids are listening. This mm-hmm. is where that like deep-rooted hatred starts, is because we're continuing to teach it and share it with kids that haven't learned about the world around them. Yeah. And so that becomes their core and that becomes their foundation. And that's not where we need to be. Yeah. Just like, my, you know, Kyrie Irving, he's, there's been a lot of conversation around um, his, you know, what he's been doing his life. He was suspended for five games based on some of the things he said. Um, I think he just lost his Nike contract in the last couple of days, yeah, sure um, which right. is, I mean, some financial um, implications here of what he said. Um, he was, let's see, Hebrews to Negroes was what you need to know was a film that promotes beliefs commonly found among anti-Semitic and extremist factions of the BHI movement, mm-hmm. including claims 
that modern Jews are imposters who stole the religious heritage of Black people and have engaged in a cover-up to prevent Black people from knowing their true identity. And so he promoted a story that has created this narrative. And I think I think that's scary as well, especially for when you, we, we've named Kanye West today, we've named Kyrie Irving, we could name you know many different people, but those two specifically have such a platform to sure. teach people and to educate people. Um, like I said, to even educate kids. And that's just, that's what, that, that's what scares me, I think, is that, mm-hmm. you know, I have two children, you have kids and grandkids, right? And to think that that could be part of their narrative on a daily basis. These are things that have just happened in our news very recently and how quickly that can become something that feels true. Right. Right. right? And that's, that's scary. Yeah. Um, and it manifests. This is also the piece we're saying on the one hand, it's Kanye, it's Kyrie, who cares? But right. people are listening. And more than that, people are acting. So the JCC, for instance, in Owings Mills, Maryland, was evacuated after a bomb threat made in the middle of a busy Saturday. And that followed bomb threats just in a few days before JCCs on Long Island and Albany, New York. In fact, in March, at least 18 U.S. JCCs had bomb threats. And and of course, all of these events make us recall with horror that August day in California when a white supremacist with an Uzi shot up the North Valley JCC, killed one, severely injured five, including a five-year-old child. Mm. And then that leads us to the, the hope that we will never forget that tragic day in 2018 when another white supremacist entered the Tree of Life synagogue in Pittsburgh, murdered 11, wounded six others for Jews, and really for all of us. This increase in threats is terrorizing communities. It's Mm -hmm. hate speech, and then it's hate actions that are manifesting in ways that are terrifying. I know. It is. It's scary. It's terrifying. And um, it doesn't have to be this way, Kevin. It doesn't have to be this way. Hmm. No. So, you know, then you get to the place where, okay, you, you think about how does this tie together and mm-hmm. go back to Kyrie for just a second, um, because we're trying to build awareness here. Kyrie's defense was, did I do anything illegal? Did I hurt anybody? Did I harm anybody? Well, those are hard to answer, but but his defense is, I'm not going to stand down. I'm only going to get stronger. I'm not alone. I have a whole army around me. This is the language of revolution. This is the language of hate, which is which is terrifying, but that's where we are. And so Paige, what we always try to do in this podcast is to help people understand, what do I do? Mm-hmm. So, so what, let's, let's give some guidance. What were some let's, things people can do to become what? Philosomites. Yes. Philosomites. That's right. That's a hard word we're going to have to remember it to is. say, but I think, you know, that's the point too, Kevin. I mean, we can certainly, like we've used some examples today. We've talked about some hard topics and I'm sure there are people listening that would go, Hmm, I'm not sure y'all know. Like, we're not trying to know it all. Right. What we do know is that there are solutions, things we can be doing differently. Right. You bet. You um, bet. And so one I would see is when you see these things, anti-Semitism, like speak out, say, wait a second. Like you said it that way. When you say it, it gives the impression that you, you know, believe X or that you are thinking, you know, Jews are, you know, sabotaging something or whatever the case may be. Think about those moments in your life where, you know, it's not going to be a Kanye in our life, but it may be somebody just down the street or a family member. And let's, let's talk about it, help educate people and others about the history of all racism, 
not just the anti-Semitism, but all racism, um, and the presence of the threats that Jews are feeling and others are feeling. So let call those out when you see them, ask questions, ask for a conversation, because that's that's the first step, just having that dialogue. Yeah, you bet. You know, we also don't have to do this alone. It's really, there are networks, local networks everywhere, or you can develop one where we can have the opportunity, and many of our listeners have the opportunity to convene community. And that can be for education purposes, as you said, or it can be in a time where we have to respond, unfortunately, to an event where we want to provide support. And so uh, developing or joining a local uh, network like that would be helpful. Right. Absolutely. And don't forget to report the hate speech, right? Like if you or a loved one is experiencing anti-Semitism, there are like report that immediately. We should, we should get that into the records. The ADL, which we've referenced a lot today, has an online reporting form on their website where you can upload photos and videos, any other content that you've experienced or have received, they're going to contact you and help you through that. Like don't, don't sit and stand alone because you're not. There are resources and ways for you to report things that are happening. And that's really important, Paige, because one thing we know is that we talked about 2,700 incidents in just in 2021. Mm-hmm. What we know is that that's underreported. Right, right. People are afraid to report because they're afraid of the repercussions. Maybe they're embarrassed or whatever. So let's help by reporting when we know these things. And 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 you said this at the very beginning of the conversation, use these resources. The ADL America Anti-Defamation League uh, and the Holocaust Museum have amazing mm. resources online. So it's a great way to educate ourselves, a great way to make information available to others. Uh, and, and so let's use those resources. Mm-hmm. Paige, I hope we've advanced the conversation a little bit, but we are at the point where we are reaching the yes. big finish. The big finish. Cue the trumpets. Yes, or something. <laughs> what, what's your big finish, Paige? I think, you know, uh, we're, it's about Christmas time around here, which also means it's Hanukkah time around here. Um, I think Hanukkah actually gets here here in a few days. But, um, and one of the core tenets of Hanukkah is courage. And I just... I bring that out because I don't want us to concentrate too long on the things that people are doing that are just things that we just don't understand, right? I want to concentrate on the courage of of um, Jews right now in our country. Let's mm-hmm. let's say that first because I, the numbers you shared with a small amount of people experiencing so much hatred and and hurt is just um, heartbreaking. And so because they are courageous and um, they continue to serve their communities. You look at JCCs across our country, they continue to serve each other and and their neighbors and they hold their head high. And even when I know there is um, fear. And so in the face of fear, when you show courage and you stand tall and you stand strong and you link your arms with your community, I just think we can't, we can't end this podcast without having that moment to say, it is clear that is one of your core tenets because we see it. Yeah. We see it and we feel it. Yeah, that's beautiful. And the timing is really fortuitous as we approach Hanukkah. Um, I think related to that, I think I'd invite people to take the time to try to knit all this stuff together. There's mm-hmm. so much hatred swirling around us. And um, what's important to understand it is it is tied together. So folks will have heard of replacement theory, for instance. Well, a few years ago, when the white nationalists marched through Charlottesville, 
what they were chanting alternately one after the other was you will not replace us. The idea that uh, there's an attempt by the democratic party to recruit from um, marginalized nations or impoverished nations, new voters to replace mm-hmm. white voters to ensure their long-term power. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but the, so they said, you will not replace us. Jews will not replace us. You will not replace mm-hmm. us. Jews will not replace us. This is not new. And this stuff is tying together. And so I would I would call on us and our listeners to have the courage, to your point, to read deeper into the news and connect the dots and see what we face. This is not, you know, wild, wacko Redwoods folks reacting in the moment. There's a lot of stuff out there that we have to deal with, and it takes right. courage. So yep. that's where we are, Paige. Thanks for the conversation today, again, you know, a hard one as it is yes. every week, but let me read us out. Okay. Staffing, safety, society is created by the Redwoods Group. It's produced by Stephen Dosher, Melanie Young, Paige Bagwell, and me. If you like the show, tell a friend or leave us a review. It means a lot. If you have topics or suggestions or feedback, we'd love to hear them. Send an email to community at Redwoods Group and we'll reply. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter still, although I'm not sure we're going to stay with that. <laughs> Staffing, safety, society is recruited, uh, recorded weekly in North Carolina. I'm Kevin Trapani. And I'm Paige Bagwell. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Listening.